Hello and welcome to The Wealth Chat, a podcast brought to you by Kleinwort Ambrose. In this series, we will be helping listeners make sense of the world of wealth. My name is Fahad Kamal, Chief Market Strategist at Kleinwort Ambrose, and I will be hosting today's episode. Today, we're going to be looking into the topic of women and wealth. How does the financial industry approach women, their diversity, their needs, their objectives, and how is this evolving? Joining me in the studio today is Nadia Kribi, Senior Relationship Manager here at Climate Hambros, and our guest speaker, Tamara Gillen, co-founder of the Wealthy Her Network, a movement with which we are proud to align ourselves as founding partners. The Wealthy Her Network is an essential force for change, championing the transformation of the industry's approach to women, celebrating their successes, and empowering women to grow and protect their wealth in ever new ways. Welcome both. Hello. Hello. So Tamara, naturally, my first question, what in the world is the Wealthy Herd Network? Um, the Wealthy Her Network is a collaboration across financial institutions, including Climate Hambros, to change the way that the finance industry understands, caters to, and enables women to prosper. It was founded because there's some interesting dynamics going on. If you look at female involvement with um, household finances, with mortgages, um, women are heavily involved with those decisions. But once you start moving to pensions and investments, their engagement drops off, their level of confidence, their understanding. Yet, in the UK, by 2025, 60% of the UK's wealth will be in the hands of women. So what we wanted to do was to work together to understand what is it that they need, what is it that they need differently, and how do we enable them to prosper through our collaboration. Do women have vastly different financial needs than men? And why is their interaction with wealth so different that, than that of, of, of men? Two really interesting questions, and one of the first things that we did set out to do was to say we have to understand. So we commissioned a really broad wealth study that actually looked at 2,500 men and women to understand what are the differences between men and women, and what are the differences between women. And of course, you know, people are people, so it's not kind of always the case. But one of the things we did found is there were some key differences. So women perceive, actually women do still perceive that investing is a man's world, not just from the kind of industry, but actually their involvement. And we heard lots of, we actually had a fabulous roundtable with your clients here and and you know a wonderful female entrepreneur saying in her family that was the domain of men um, um, but also that women um, still thought that men had a higher propensity for risk than them and they had different attitudes and approaches um, there was also women said that the point of their wealth so we asked one question that said what is the point of your wealth? And for men, actually, a goal was financial success, whereas that wasn't for women. It was actually, what does my wealth enable me to do? So, And that was around security and comfort for the family, uh, independence for myself and for the future. And in fact, so there was some real variance there and a lot more about kind of family and future. Um, and 63% of, of our respondents, which was vastly different from men, were interested in philanthropy and impact investing as well. That's absolutely fascinating, honestly, and really does echo a lot of the things you see all across the world. I mean, even if you look at the, you know, the sort of emerging markets and the poorest of the world, the way women manage the household finances is vastly different. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been really interesting. We've actually rolled out the Wealthy Her report in Asia, comparing men and women. And we did find that it was interesting in developed markets like Hong Kong, Singapore, actually you had the same dynamics as the UK, whereas in markets like the Philippines and Malaysia, you actually found that women were more involved in finance. So it was quite interesting. And even in Hong Kong, women are very involved in decision making, but it's still, you look at um, 
investment and, and pensions are they're less engaged than men or as confident. So really interesting. Nadia Hai is one of our lead bankers and with one who happens to have a lot of female clients. Does a lot of what Tamara has just said resonate with you and your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think being a one of the founding partners of the Wealthy Her Network and the reason why we wanted to get involved with the um, initiative was the fact that we're very passionate about their views and their beliefs and the research that they've put together. We strongly believe that there should be a network for female clients and female um, employees um, to help share their views and share their successes and and basically just be a platform for them to speak up. I think female clients sometimes can feel intimidated when they come in for a meeting with a wealth manager and it's um, down to the wealth managers to adapt their personal styles as well and to help ensure that the female clients are made to feel comfortable. Can I add something to that? When we did a female client event which was an open table to say ask what you want share your views actually there was a lot more conversation and questions where there were just some really interesting insights um, and how we can uh, adapt our approach to understand those yeah Tamara that's really interesting you say that because I think the um, event that you're alluding to was a was essentially an open uh, table of uh, a number of our female clients Raging sort of, you know, the spectrum in terms of age, in terms of uh, financial literacy, etc. I happen to be one of the few men in the room, as, as I am today. Uh, but I found it really fascinating because probably as a male, I um, probably take the world a lot for granted. In all of your experiences and, uh, you know, with working with, with men and women, etc., I mean, how do you... How do you see sort of best emboldened women? Is it is it financial literacy? Is it you know catering to specific products and services? How would you each sort of go about emboldening women in the you know in this financial sphere? Yeah, I think the the key is education. Um, I think that's where we need to start, and actually we need to start young as well. So not just female clients, but also the next generation, the, their children during major life events um, so whether that's marriage kids um, or hopefully it will never happen but divorce though I think female clients naturally the default approach is to be, be more cautious we found in the report that yes women were cautious but they weren't necessarily risk averse they were risk aware so they wanted information they wanted to understand but then if you had the situation where they weren't feeling that they could ask questions so I do think to your point as well education is absolutely key giving confidence in education and we've actually been doing a series and you know and actually thinking about how do we approach the topic more broadly because if you said oh would you like to come down and have a conversation about your investments quite hard to attract women to make the time in their very very busy lives but we actually had an event um, with Annabelle's which was um, 120 women came at 8.30 in the morning and it was money the last taboo for women let's talk about money let's talk mm. about money in life death so I think it's also really important that we engage women in the conversation more broadly and then provide the solution because it is broad for women it's the point of their wealth is what does it do and, and we need to have those conversations mm. also to your point I think we need to start young you know we actually asked the, the room of 120 women and this has happened time and time again 
you know, who in the room has ever had a conversation with another woman about money of any form? Twelve women put their hand up. Uh, there were two daughters there who said, I am just finished with a first, in, um, you know, first degree um, in business. I know nothing about money mm. or finance. I, who do I talk to? Um, so I think that's, you know, having the conversation but providing a framework for education that gives confidence but doing it in an environment where people can ask all questions. That sort of hit, touches on an important point. Which is, I think there is a difference between attitude to risk uh, between men and women. Would you want to comment on that specifically? Because I think that is quite a critical yeah, differentiator in a way. Absolutely. I think, to your point, women are more cautious, but they want more information, but they don't know how to get it, which overall makes their relationship with risk very different and some potentially inherent traits. I mean, I, you know, going back to your point about, you know, it happens young. You know, someone said to me, you know, what do we tell our boys you know be brave what do we tell our girls you know don't jump off there you know that kind of it starts when you're very very young from a young age I think generally what deters women from making any investment decisions is in finance we tend to talk a lot of jargon so it's actually breaking that jargon down simplifying it um, because the the, what it can be a very complex world um, it's not so easy to understand so it's actually breaking it down into simple terms women also will say that they don't have sufficient time to really focus on it so if you if you simplify things they won't spend so much time in having to decipher what it means um, and also educating them on the risks and I think that's one of the things I've heard you say and that was very clear in the report was that women are time poor they do want you to come to them you've said go where the women are make it easier to have that you know to to take those simple conversations and go to them in their busy lives I also think that um, you know we also found that women have a higher propensity than men to engage digitally so podcasts this type of content do it at times we're doing our events at times that women can come we're disseminating the information so that it could be shared to you know in an easy bite-sized way so I think all of that's really helping Mm -hmm. because they are time poor they're they're interested in engaging in different ways Mm -hmm. so bite-sized content finding opportunities and also some real stuff because as much as in the game we hear it we heard it in the workshop the the session that you were in and that yes it's great to have the social events but if if your main concern is about this sort of precious protection of wealth for your children or future that actually you want to have real conversations so I think at the heart of it was saying understand me and then engage me as an individual woman. Nadia putting you on the spot specifically I mean how would we as a bank a specific example of how would we have bridged um, some of this uh, this sort of gender gap and helped um, engage with a female client? One example, I was introduced uh, by a divorce lawyer, this uh, lady who her husband worked in an investment bank, so he was very financially savvy. She never um, took any interest in the financial aspects. So she had been, I think, to see a number of other banks. And uh, when she came to see me, she said, oh, my goodness, Nadia, it's like a breath of fresh air because you really understand my needs. You really have listened to me. You're not trying to pitch any services or products to me. You're actually listening and actually it sounds as though you care about where I'm coming from because this is all so new to me. One of the things that we have heard people say is 
private banking, it is a personal experience or wealth management. It is a personal experience. And if there is a good advisor, people are getting a great experience, whoever they are, because there's understanding, listening, and people adapt. However, it depends on there being a good advisor who appeals or the right chemistry. So one of the things that we're doing as the Wealthy Her Network is trying to standardize that by bringing to life the findings of the report, all of the interviews and roundtables that we've done, and bringing that to all people who are engaging, whether that's relationship management, whether that's advisors, so that we can start to standardize that experience, you know, across within organizations, across organizations to create some real change. Well, it's if I can pick apart some of the themes that, that you have mentioned today, I mean, it seems that number one, that we need to listen more to the specific needs of women and really understand their unique circumstances. But two, also is give them that safe space in which to ask the questions. Because unfortunately, there is a a, a bias uh, where men are uh, seemingly allowed to ask silly questions and, and not look stupid, but for some reason that doesn't extend to women or the perception is such. So we need to make absolutely sure that we allow that safe space. But does that also extend not just to potential female clients or existing female clients? Is that also just to women in the workforce in general? I mean, particularly sort of in a, in a high um, you know, impact service industry such as ours. I do think it's really important not to think there's women and men and, you know, it's a blueprint because that's not the case. One of the things we did find that has been a universal theme that has come out is that entrepreneurs are also interesting. So entrepreneurs, when they come from suddenly um, making liquid wealth or, you know, having a capital event, um, whether they're male or female, we've heard a trend which says... They, they, they're used to driving their own agenda. They know that it, they've been driving their own commercial initiatives. They're used to driving their outcomes. When something's not working, they can put more effort. They can do something. Whereas suddenly they come to a place where they, they don't understand it. They don't know. But they do not want to look like they don't know. So they also come into a world where they don't want to ask questions. Yeah, it's confidence. And we've heard, you know, countless times. But this woman um, who, who said my famous quote, I have twice woken up with 40 million in my bank account from selling a business um, I don't have a problem with confidence I know exactly what I'm doing but through the course of the conversation she said mm, actually I don't want to look like I don't know mm. um, and therefore I've never asked my relationship manager why we do yen what is why do we do a bond mm. so and then we felt we've heard that similarly from male entrepreneurs mm. in some of the interviews which was and they often come with trusted advisors mm. so it was a really interesting theme that went across as entrepreneurs a lot of my female clients have been successful and have made significant amount of wealth and and clearly they're very good at what they do but they still don't have the confidence and it, it upsets me to think that sports presenter claire balding talked about the imposter syndrome I now, after hours of coaching, can say, and even now it sticks in my throat, I am a successful entrepreneur, imposter syndrome, don't want to be shouting about that. One of the things that you see, whether that's a female entrepreneur getting investment, they do think that I'm not worthy. They do not believe in their value. And one of the things I always say is hold value. That's whether it's a raise conversation, whether it's looking for investment, go high, high, have, you know, because other people will negotiate against you. One of the other things that I always advise my anybody on going into those situations is prepare because um, you need to go, if you're going to go in high, high, holding your value, you've got to know why you believe it. So one of the things I advise my team to do is, you know, or, or other friends and colleagues is, 
talk to three people who think you're great and get feedback. So it's not you going, I did this brilliantly. It's someone who you respect, trust and does, you know, has got your back, who can give you honest feedback. So you go in arm to your rise conversation or your investment conversation. Saying, These are four things that I know I've done well and this is why. Third is get some support. So one of the things that we are doing for our Wealthy Her partners is doing building brand, your personal brand, building your brand for influence and the way that you communicate so that you have the confidence throughout your journey to actually champion your own value as someone once said to me it's not um, what you know it's who knows you in an organization that will define how you rise so yeah, tomorrow Nadia once again I mean so I, I be, um, before I ask the next question I want to be full in full disclosure that I am a huge um, advocate and fan of flexible work environment and, and the increasing acknowledgement understanding of shared parental leave etc I've taken shared parental leave myself and I think it's 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 brilliant um, but are a few policies like that enough because clearly a disproportionate amount, at least for now, in the data, it shows a disproportionate amount of um, family care is provided by women. So therefore, there needs to be policies around this and addressing this issue. I think absolutely. I mean, we, we had this wonderful thing at Cherry, which is my um, marketing agency, where we actually had Bring Your, Your Mum to Work lunch series. And one of our one of our mums was an amazing diversity and inclusion expert. And she said, unless you enable men to be part of the childcare solution and, and also be the parents that they want, you cannot set women free to, 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 to play that role. So I think that that is something that's really, really important. But I also think, as, as I also learned through the process, you have to own it and enable it and make it okay. So sometimes policies are in place. We have them at Cherry, we have them at Wealthy Her. But in fact, someone said to me as a, a single mum, you know, stop sneaking out for for the mm. pickup for the pickup rungs. When you come in late, don't profusely apologise. Mm. Just own it so that we feel free to do it as well. Because so Tamara, why is that uh, that that instinct there to apologise for when you've done a school run or, or whatever? Guilt, 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 <laughs> guilt. You know, guilt that you've got to be in two places. I've always mm. run my company from the middle sleeves rolled up in mm. it together mm. feel very guilty to, to seemingly do something that not everybody's doing mm. so I think that you're not everybody's leaving to get their son or their child so I think if it's you think it has uh, or they they would think about their career as well so as in um, they're not going to go ahead in their career if they're seen to to prioritise their family. Mm. Yeah, perception risk. Yeah. There are some of those organisations that have that. There is still that perception risk and reality. The two of you, Nadia and Tamara, both of you said the word guilt at precisely the same mm. time. <laughs> and and if you know and if you both are saying that and feeling that, you know, at, at you know, at, at pretty progressive organizations, um, clearly there is still just an infinite amount of work that remains to be done. Absolutely. It's very um I mean, I think on the, you know, if you look at women, you said it, women say they almost, women are more likely to innovate when they start a business because they do not want to go in and say, I'm going to be better than everybody else. They want to go in and say, I'm different. Therefore, I'm going to succeed. A man will say, oh, yes, more naturally say, I know that I've got that. Whereas a woman will say, well, let me do that for five years, uh, win four internal awards, uh, prove big deals, win pitches, and then I'll ask. That is amazing. And it's, yeah. you know, and yeah. that is so different. And that's something where, you know, hold that value and do it earlier. Because people can only say no. So Nadia, where do we 
as a bank, maybe as an industry, need to go from here? I think we've highlighted it already. It's I think the key to this is education, educating our uh, female clients to empower them to make the decisions um, and also give them an environment which reiterates that we're here to support and empower them. Tomorrow. Building on that, continue to create informal networks so that they can talk to each other and um, actual experts in, in the right environment around the right themes, connect them to each other, um, continue to um, create things that women are interested in to, to, to spread further than those that do put their hand up and say, I want to talk about it. How do we reach new women? How do we go where they are and do it in a bite-sized way that fits with their busy, complicated lives? So what are the next big milestones of success when it comes to women as clients or in general? One of the things that we are, because the Wealthy Her and our partners um, are looking at, which is really critical, is we did a view of, of what was needed to be done with the original report. In the report that we're about to commence for this year, we're actually looking at what's changed. Something that was very interesting is also it's hard to actually get understand our audiences for every bank. You know, who are our female clients? But thinking more broadly, who are women who are connected to accounts? How do we have a conversation beyond with those that are connected? And I think that Nadia does this brilliantly. A lot of our female clients are highly educated, highly uh, sophisticated financial professionals, but yet there is an inherent bias against, uh, you know, against, I mean, even if you, something as silly as marketing materials and, and things, how would you sort of, you know, would you comment on that? There is a real subtle bias existing. We're seeing more images of men than women, environments where there's more rooms named in favour of men, or all of them in some instances. And women do notice those things, particularly if, you know, I know from myself as a female entrepreneur, I've fought my way up. If I have a raw nerve, it's about people not taking me seriously. I started a business to get away from the glass ceiling, to suddenly feel I was going to invest in a place where that was prevalent would be something that I would respond to. So I think that's an interesting uh, uh, balancing act that needs to be managed. I think the change in culture needs to start from within, within the organisation, and then evolve from there. It's been a wonderful pleasure uh, having this podcast today and to be uh, in our partnership, with, you know, which, is, um, which is critical for us, for our, for our clients, and, and for, the, for the world in general, frankly. Thank you both so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on The Wealth Chat. To make sure that you never miss an episode, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice. I'm Fahad Kamal, and on behalf of Kleinwood Hambros, thanks for listening. This podcast is not a personal recommendation or investment advice. The value of investments can fall as well as rise, and past performance is not a guarantee of future performance. It is not intended that this podcast is distributed in or into the United States of America. This podcast is issued by the following companies in the Kleinwort Hambrus Group. In the United Kingdom by SG Kleinwort Hambrus Bank Limited, which is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. In the Channel Islands by SG Kleinwort Hambrus Bank CI Limited which is regulated by the Jersey Financial Services Commission. SG Kleinwort Hambrus Bank CI Limited Guernsey branch is also regulated by the Guernsey Financial Services Commission. Both entities are also authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority in respect of UK regulated mortgage business. In Gibraltar, SG Kleinwort Hambrus Bank Gibraltar Limited is authorised and regulated by the Gibraltar Financial Services Commission.